My name is Maggie. I am 30 years old. My name is Stan. I am 35 years old. My name is Aaron. I'm 37 years old. My name is Cece. I'm 44 years old. My name is Laura. I'm 37 years old. My name is Shannon. I'm 48 years old. My name is Trish. I'm 49 years old. I'm Ellen. I'm 41 years old. My name is Karen. I am 50 years old. My name is Kathleen. I am 60 years old. I am an adult Irish dancer. You're listening to the Adult Irish Dancers Podcast. Welcome back to the Adult Irish Dancers podcast. My name is Jen Clark and it is a very hot day here in Arizona. I feel like that's how I'm going to end up uh, opening up the podcast every single day, probably for the rest of the duration, is that I'm broadcasting from Arizona, and it's very hot. Um, the temperature today here in the Tucson area, uh, right now it's 109, <laughs> um, but it's a dry heat. I know it's, it's so silly. It's so true, though. The fact that I can actually sit outside right now in the shade is uh, pretty incredible, so um, those are my Hawaiian wind chimes behind me. They are one of my favorite things uh, to have out here while I do my podcast. Even though it produces a little bit of background noise, I still love it. So again, welcome back to the Adult Irish Dancers podcast. Super stoked to be here with you this week. Uh, I hope it went well for everybody this past weekend. If you did the WIDA World Championships or um, just the International Fesh, I saw a lot of friends that uh, either placed and placed well or didn't place at all, and we're just happy to be able to do it. So congratulations to everybody. I did love seeing um, reaction pictures from uh, different parts of the world. Uh, my friend Colette in Australia, I know her dancers were actually up very, very late waiting for results, and she posts some reaction pictures, and they're just so wonderful to see. And it's actually kind of refreshing just to see people, you know, sitting around in their, uh, you know, their pajama pants and their dance school jacket with a, a bowl of popcorn waiting for their WIDA World's results. So congratulations to everybody, and good luck to everybody who is working on the upcoming Nationals in Phoenix, which is coming up next month. My goodness, uh, <laughs> now that I think about it, wow, a dance competition in Phoenix in July. That's going to be all kinds of fun. I, I do hope to be there, though. It's only 90 minutes north of me, so I'll probably be making the drive up there to see everybody. In just a few minutes here, we're going to be talking to the podcast today. We're going to be talking in just a few minutes to Cass Urban, who is the creator of the Divergent Dance Project, which helps out uh, LGBTQ dancers um, with different needs that that they might have based on what they want to wear for competition. And that's something we've kind of briefly touched on in the past um, about women wearing or, or people who identify as women wearing pants to compete, which I think is is great. And I'm hoping to have a uh, dress designer on the show in the upcoming months to talk about the new trends in Irish dance because there are a lot of um, people who are females or identify as females who are requesting pants and waistcoats. And I, I think that's great. I mean, I can't imagine something that makes more sense than being comfortable in what you wear when you dance. I mean, one of the things that I always hate about Irish dance is just the paranoia over my dress and my wig and my tights rolling down and all that kind of stuff. So I can see the allure of pants, especially if, you know, it's something that you're comfortable in. So very, very cool. We're going to talk to Cass about the Divergent Dance Project. I thought it would be a wonderful, wonderful interview for Pride Month as well. One of the things I noticed when I left Michigan uh, was that my dancers were pretty 
loudly complaining about traditional sets. Apparently, um, they don't really care for traditional sets. Uh, None of the ones we learned were uh, of any real interest to them. We learned St. Patrick's Day. We started to learn Blackbird. And, um, yeah, nobody wanted to compete with them. They just didn't like them. And that was hard for me to swallow because I I really love traditional sets. Um, I find them harder to memorize, but I like traditional sets. So uh, the question we posed for the podcast this week is, what's your favorite and least favorite Irish dance and why? For me, I've always loved the slip jig. It's something that just resonated with me when I was dancing as a kid and then dancing into college. One of my favorite numbers that we would perform at Milwaukee Irish Fest was the slip jig uh, with Glen Castle Irish Dancers because it was just such a beautiful piece and it was so fun and it really is such a beautiful, graceful dance. I do love that that guys and, and um, you know people who identify as male now are doing the slip jig. I've always thought that was really kind of odd that, you know, we relegated the slip jig just to females, even though it was traditionally a female dance. But my favorite's always been the slip jig. I just love it. And and I'm not great at soft shoe. I'm definitely better at hard shoe. So when I was kind of, you know, going through the dances that I liked, I was surprised that slip jig kept, kept coming up for me. So for me, that's my favorite least favorite has to be the hornpipe, especially in prelims. It's just too long. I mean, it was too long when I was in my 20s. I remember, you know, being completely out of breath at the end of my hornpipe when I was 22. Now I'm 38 and man, is it hard. So that's the question we pose this week. Your favorite and least favorite Irish dances. Melissa says, favorite modern set. The steps are suited to the dancer and you get the stage all to yourself. I also like to make noise. Her least favorite is the slip jig. I'm naturally a real dancer, so extending and elongating my short, powerful legs can be challenging. I do actually like the grace of the slip jig, though. I enjoy all kinds of Irish dances. Shannon replied and said, I only laugh because I can relate to the short leg issues. I have the girth of someone 5'7", but the legs of someone who's 5'1". That's so funny to me because I'm 5'11", and I have extremely long legs. They make up most of my body. Um, And so there are certain dances that are really hard for me. Honestly, the ones that move faster can be really hard because I just have more legs to move. I got kicked out of gymnastics when I was a kid after like a week, okay? They're like, she's too tall. This will never work. So I get it. Maria says, my favorite dance is hornpipe, even though I don't have the stamina because I love the technically demanding rhythms. My least favorite is the reel. It just doesn't come naturally to me. I'm always a hair too slow and sluggish. Ironically, real music is my favorite music to listen to. And I understand that, Maria. I think, I mean, there's so many songs and, and different, I mean, any really form of music you can dance a reel to. So I get that. Rachel says, my favorite soft shoe has always been slip jig ever since I saw Countess Kathleen in Riverdance. My favorite hard shoe has always been hornpipe. Least is primary traditional set. Ever since they had a set version of the dances, I've always struggled to learn them prior to competing, especially Blackbird, but I do love three sea captains. Stevie says, my favorite is the reel. I love flying around the stage. Least favorite is the heavy jig. The music is so monotonous. So true. See, I, I the heavy jig for me is one of my favorite dances, but you're right. You know, there's not a lot of variety in the music. That's totally true. Lisa says, my favorite are modern sets because the steps are made to fit the tune, and I love interpreting to the music instead of just dancing to a random tune. Least favorite, light jig and single jig. 
as it was always the same basic choreography through grades, although they taught me to keep perfecting a step and again and again. Carmen says, my favorite are traditional sets except St. Patrick's Day. That's so funny because my dancers absolutely despise St. Patrick's Day, and I love it. It will always be one of my favorite sets. I love that the steps go perfectly with the music and that the moves are traditional. I love it so much that my new modern set is my dance teacher's old modern set from 25 years ago, and it dances like a trad set. Pure rhythm and only danceable to the Orange Rogue tune. I don't know how the judges will score it because it's easier, but I love dancing it. My least favorite is the real. Too fast. Totally, totally can relate to that one. Um, and I hope you do really well with your modern set because I've, I've found that it seems like judges kind of as a whole appreciate a simple dance done well rather than a tough dance not done well. So good luck with that. Patricia says, I'm pretty much loving all of my steps right now. My current favorite is slow treble jig because it's the one that is teaching me how to be a better hard shoe dancer. Soft shoe comes more easily to me. Least favorite is St. Patrick's Day. I don't like dancing traditional sets. It's all rhythm and the judges know if you make the slightest mistake. I never thought of it. And it's so true. They know because it is, I mean, try explaining that to um, a dancer who just dances for like a regular dance school, like ballet, tap, jazz, all that stuff. Explain to them that all over the world, our dances have the same names, but different steps. It blows their minds. Allie says, my favorite is slip jig. I love the flow and grace. I love festival style slip jig and even more wish we had some of that interpretation in CLRG instead of fast, fast, fast. Don't like hornpipe. I find the rhythm challenging. The music is a bit more interesting in treble jig, but that's the hardest for me to dance. Genevieve says it varies. Currently, hornpipe is my bane. When I filmed my first online fashion march, I had to do it 30 times in a row before I managed to properly get through it. Since then, I've been nervous about dancing my hornpipe. That's also something we've talked about in the past with these digital feshes is that, um, you know, some teachers have rules where you get like three chances and then you're done. And, I, and I'm just like Genevieve. Um, I let my dancers do it until they were blue in the face. And that probably wasn't the best approach in hindsight now. But I mean, it was just really hard for them. The digital fetch just, it brings so many more challenges than you would think. And as much as I enjoy doing it, um, I'm, and I'm hoping it sticks around for people who are not able to travel to feshes, I'm still more of an in-person type of dancer. Amanda says, I hate the reel. Never liked it. It was the dance that held me back for so long as a kid. Even now, I feel like it's always messy no matter what I do. Gan says, favorite, real, because I love the music and it feels powerful. Least favorite, hornpipe, because I can't get the rhythm right. Sarah says, my favorite is the slow hornpipe. Yes, it's long, but I love the rhythm of it and think the steps flow well. Least favorite is the slip jig. It's a dance that's all about being smooth and graceful with long legs and elegant movements. Again, I am not graceful. <laughs> Maybe that's why I like the slip jig, because I, I, I can kind of master the long legs and elegant movements. Rachel says, I love set dances. Sets are my forte. I'm currently working on job of journey work. My favorite is jockey to the fair. I despise the slip jig. Timing for all the other dances I have down, but I struggle with the timing for the slip jig. Rachel says, I love the hornpipe and I dislike the treble jig. I cannot get jig timing down, but hornpipe comes naturally to me. Big thanks to everybody who chimed in this week. It's so interesting and funny to see somebody who has like the exact opposite 
likes and dislikes that you do. Like there was a lot of people in there who hate the slip jig, but love the hornpipe. And I'm the exact opposite. Um, and yeah, traditional and modern sets seem to kind of fall in there as some of the favorites, which are, are, are good, but it's, it's really interesting. You know, I have always told my dancers, you're not going to like every dance that you learn. Okay. Especially traditional sets, because there's literally no room for interpretation. So, um, you know, I, I, I've always told them, you still have to compete with them. You still got to get through it. I think there's something actually very special and interesting to being able to compete with a dance you hate, frankly, because, you know, maybe that drive isn't there to get it right and to get it done well. So good luck to everybody competing, especially with dances that you hate. I totally understand it. I'm going to put some of these responses up at adultirishdancepodcast.com. Coming up, we are talking to the creator of Divergent Dance, Cass Urban, here on the Adult Irish Dancers Podcast. You're listening to the Adult Irish Dancers Podcast. Welcome back to the Adult Irish Dancers Podcast. My name is Jen Clark, and I'm super excited to have Cass Urban on the show today. Cass, how are you? Hi, I'm doing really great. Thanks so much for having me, Jen. I think Cass is a wonderful guest for Pride Month, which is something I absolutely wanted to focus on, at least for one episode in June. Um, Cass, tell us a little bit about your history with dance and Irish dance and where you're from and all of that good stuff. Yeah, so I'm from Southern California, and I really break down my history with Irish dance and my experience as a dancer into three main parts. Um, I really, I first saw Irish dance when I was three years old, and it was like a town festival or whatnot my grandparents took me to, and there was Irish dancing happening at the festival, and me being three years old, I saw it, and after the dancers were finished, I thought I could do it perfectly, so I went up on stage (laughs) afterwards and started dancing. Um, oh, that's so cute. Got, yeah, got the full round of applause. It was my first taste of really performing. Um, but I didn't actually start dancing regularly and competing until I was about eight years old. And I danced competitively from when I was eight till 18 in Southern California. Um, but I recently, so I'm 22 now, so I moved up for um, to Washington for college. And I sort of was in this weird space of not being a competitive dancer, but still being an Irish dancer as part of my identity. And so I was fortunate to be a part of the collegiate dance group um, at the University of Puget Sound. It's called Repertory Dance Group. And I was able to choreograph for performances and teach through that. And just this is my second year teaching recreationally, just sort of out of a home studio um, for neighborhood kids. I just teach Irish dance recreationally now. Oh, that's so cool. And are you located um, in or near Seattle? Yeah, I'm near Seattle. I'm in Tacoma, actually. Yes. Oh, that's awesome. I lived in Seattle for about a year um, in 2007 for radio. And I was I was actually going to start Irish dancing there. And then we ended up moving back to Wisconsin. But I, I love Seattle. Washington is super close to my heart. So love that area. I have a couple of friends in Tacoma. It's a great area. Where were you at in competition when you quit when you were 18? I was at the preliminary championship level, so I had found that it was difficult for me to progress through the levels, but once I did, I was at that spot, and I was just getting ready to go off to college, so it seemed like the right place to stop, as I wasn't able to easily transfer schools and continue dancing during college and trying to focus on school. 
Yeah, that's a huge train. I mean, gosh, you're going through so many life transitions at that point, And it's so hard to keep up with things that you maybe previously did or, or start new things. That's a tough time. That's a really tough time. But that's super yeah. cool that you teach recreationally now. I love it um, because I definitely am of the camp that um, thinks that you know, I love, I love how big Irish dance is and I love the big schools and everything, but I, I think there has to be a place for like what you do, which is teach on a smaller level recreationally, because not everybody can afford to, and, and not everybody wants to do, you know, the big schools and the big, you know, competitions and, and costumes and stuff like that. So I love what you're doing. And that's exactly why I have Cass on the podcast this week. You posted something on Facebook that caught my eye and I, I watching you post for a few months now. Your first post was about uh, Divergent Dance, which is funded yes. by Start the Wave. So tell us all about Divergent Dance and, and what it's all about. So Divergent Dance it is almost six months old now as a project, but as just a thought in my head, it's almost four years old. Um, so it really started freshman year of college, I had just taken my intro to gender and queer studies class and our final project was to queer something that's important in our lives to make it queer. And I chose Irish dance and I did a video project on queering Irish dance. And at the time, I thought I was completely alone in that and no one had started the conversation. Of course, I was wrong. Of course, these conversations were being had about trans lives in Irish dance and LGBT communities in Irish dance. They just weren't publicly known. And so I was sort of making my mark on that. And sort of from that first year, it sort of evolved into my undergrad thesis on performance and gender in river dance and in Lord of the Dance and in a third Irish dance show, Dancing on Dangerous Ground, and really examining how gender is con was constructed during those shows for those dancers and how that played out on a stage. Um, and really from that, I needed a practical application. I saw that and it was highly theoretical. It was analyzing it in paper form there was nothing that really could be done to change the way Irish dance exists now. And that was my main struggle was not being able to change what I wanted to see changed. Sure. And so that's really where Divergent Dance started. It started as a practical application and it sort of has two prongs of focus. The first was really seeing the needs of LGBT plus Irish dancers, what is the community needing as a group? And then the second prong is educating dance schools on what dancers need. And those are the two main areas. So I have a couple of questions for you because this, uh, this yeah. piques my curiosity so much, which is obviously why I asked you to be on the podcast. Um, my first question is going back to the shows like Riverdance, Lord of the Dance, um, because I'm absolutely from that generation that saw the shows in the 90s and said, oh my gosh, I have to Irish dance and I practiced in my basement and all that stuff. I don't even know if it's a correct term to use anymore, but growing up, I was such a tomboy. You know, I didn't like to wear dresses and stuff like that. And like watching those shows, I was like, oh, I just don't feel like I'm girly enough to even do something like that. What kind of conclusions did you draw from uh, examining those shows and gender identity? Yeah, something that I found as the primary conclusion was that the 
Irish dance world that is created in the world of performances as we see in Riverdance and Lord of the Dance doesn't encapsulate all that Irish dance is because it's not reflective of all Irish dancers and Irish dance experiences as shows that it's meant to broadcast Irish dance experience. It doesn't encapsulate the Irish dance experience as we see it now. And granted these shows are around 20 years old, even for when they were released, they didn't encapsulate what is known to be a dancer. And the, like the first area this really stood out to me was looking at when female dancers are performing on stage in these performances solos specifically it is so rare and so few and far between to see them dancing in hard shoe you almost exclusively see female dancers when they're doing a solo or duet on stage dancing in soft shoe oh my gosh that's so true and i i don't think i ever thought about it until you just mentioned it which i'm sure is why you are doing this kind of um get them to think about things like that and tell me a little bit about your gender identity journey and and how that kind of wrapped into irish dance and what kind of challenges did you face yeah that's a great question so my entire time that i was competing i was competing as female i publicly was female at the time i hadn't realized so i am I say I'm non-binary. I use they, them, or he, him pronouns. Um, And so the dance world competitively saw me as female. And so I wore a dress. I wore a wig. I did the whole nine yards with that. Um, Was that hard for you? It got harder towards the end. Yes. I think when I first started where I was, um, the school I was competing for, it was the norm. It was the expectation. So I I wasn't shown anything else. And that is the primary, like one huge issue in Irish dance that I've been able to identify when I started forcing these conversations of LGBT issues in dance is, yes, it's okay. We just don't talk about it. And silencing dancers is the real issue because had I been exposed to conversations about wanting to wear pants in competition, I would feel safer in making choices of wanting to wear that. And and when you say you're 22 now, I think back to, you know, the late 2000s, early 2010s, um, you know, dancers, female dancers were not wearing pants. That was like the apex of the solo dresses becoming, you know, super expensive and super fancy. And I can't imagine, like, I, I, I fully admit, you know, as a, a female dancer, I've, I've liked wearing solo dresses, but at the same time, you know, I, I always wondered, I wonder if, you know, females will ever get to wear pants. And then all of a sudden, in just the last few years, you've seen dancers um, who identify as female wearing pants at even the world. So I, I can't imagine how hard that must have been for you um, growing up with dancing when you did. Because, yeah, that that whole time was that's when I, I think the explosion happened of solo dresses. So that yeah. must have been tough. And I think I'm so grateful that these conversations about female presenting um, dancers wearing pants at high level competitions is becoming popular. I think that's so great. And just a few years ago, I was getting into buying pants because I had never bought in pants for dancing purposes before and I in a vest and I was getting a vest and I, I obviously don't track fashion trends in male Irish dancers because it's not something that I had previous expectations for doing as a dancer so I didn't know what to ask for and I was going on a secondhand site and like emailing a person 
and I got the response of, why are you interested in this style? This isn't what male dancers wear. Are you buying this for your son? Oh my gosh. It's so, it's so none of your business, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's very much, um, I'm so grateful that it has changed though, because it's really becoming a more welcoming place. And that's sort of a great way to transition to one of the projects that I'm doing with Divergent Dance is to, um, I'm offering sort of a a gender affirming dance apparel aid, which is really focused on providing funds and resources for um, LGBT plus dancers, but specifically trans dancers for acquiring whatever kind of dance apparel is necessary to view themselves as the dancers they see themselves as. So what have you found so far um, as you've been reaching out to other LGBTQ Irish dancers? Have you found a good response? Have you encountered any pushback? Because I know, um, and I'm absolutely not going to name names, but I was invited on a podcast a while ago and they asked me what we'd talk about on this podcast. And I mentioned, you know, I was excited to start talking about, you know, LGBTQ dancers and and what they're wearing and, and gender issues. And the host literally said, yeah, we don't talk about stuff like that on our podcast. And I was really taken aback. And I, I think it, it gave me even more fuel for my fire to talk about this. So what have you found um, as far as the response from uh, Divergent Dance? I have found a common theme when, this, when Divergent Dance was just a thought in my head. And I was just emailing dancers just to hear experiences to actually becoming a real project. What I've found is dancers who feel like their experiences are isolated because they're in this isolated bubble with their dance studio of their studio silences them and they don't get to share their experience and compete as themselves or perform as themselves authentically and it's a common experience to feel isolated especially in the Irish dance community for LGBT dancers to not be able to express themselves and dance as their authentic selves that is more common than the dance community would like to acknowledge. And really divergent dance, I've found one of the most positive things that has come out of it so far is there is more of a communal acknowledgement of this is a common issue that we're facing and we need to come together to really create ideas and ways of change so that people in the dance community in power um, are able to more upfront acknowledge this issue and demand change from them. That's great. And and these are conversations I, I feel like we have to have. And I, I understand why, you know, another podcast or, or whatever would be uncomfortable having this conversation, but I think we've got to put it out there because we have to be the open community we claim to be in the loving community of Irish dance. And we have to be one family. And this is just another step towards that. So tell us about your gender affirming dance apparel giveaway. Cause I think this is so great. Yeah. So what I finished the first round of it about a month ago. Um, and with that, what happened was people were able to fill out a form completely anonymously for the, like it was anonymous to the public. I obviously had to know where I was sending the packages to, Um, but I was able to provide either funding for costuming or sometimes it's shoes. And that really helps because I mean, dance studios have mirrors and it's really, really powerful 
to be able to dance in class as you authentically are. Um, and it's really damaging to not be yourself authentically in a space where you should be. If you were to start competing again tomorrow, what would you wear? What would you be comfortable in? I have found that I'm more comfortable in a more... So if you think of a dress per se, I'd take the skirt off of the dress and I just wear like the more long, the like form-fitting stylized top half of a dress and pants. So that's what I found works. I haven't purchased a costume in a very long time because I haven't found what matches exactly what I need, but I think that's what I would go with. I think that was what I saw on an Instagram video of one of the dancers at Worlds was, yeah, the top half looks like a solo dress. And then you just wear, like you say, form-fitting pants that don't hinder your dancing or anything like that. But I love that you're doing this. Is this something you're going to do another round of, continue doing? How is Divergent Dance going right now? Yeah, so I'm hoping to do another round of it. Of course, my ultimate goal would be to have it be a continuous, if dancers need it, I just have the funds available. Um, the funding through Start the Wave is a fixed amount that I selected based on previous rounds of funding. So I'm able to sort of estimate. And we've also been able to provide shoes because generally with the apparel aid, something I've noticed for myself and in other dancers is people who are comfortable in dancing in pants and also in soft shoes, but also in boys' real shoes. So it's it's a, a question of cost. And obviously Irish dance is a very expensive sport. Um, and so being able to provide all the clothing, all the apparel that's necessary is super important. What do you think is the biggest challenge facing Irish dance right now as far as uh, gender fluidity? I think in terms of gender expression, I think the biggest challenge is lack of communication. And this is an issue that is centuries in the making and centuries in perpetuation of. There's just an inability to be authentically who you are when you dance to a certain extent based on traditional writings of, you see the Cayley book and there's like traditional ways of being in Irish dance that are centuries old. And that's taught in competition, modern day classes. And so it's very hard to break those norms because they are so old. And so I think really that challenge is the most difficult one. And that's so true. You're so right. I mean, the gender roles in Irish dance are, um, I think, you know, the only thing I can think to compare them to is ballet, you know, as far as how gender roles are perceived. Um, and as far as, you know, a, a male and their role in a dance and a female and all that stuff. And I also, I love that um, they're starting to have male dancers compete in the slip jig, which I feel yeah. like that just started in the last few years. Cause I've always, I've always almost felt bad in class saying, Hey, you know, this is the slip jig and it's just for girls. And that's, it just sounds so archaic. I'm like, why? It's just a dance. You know, it, it makes no sense. So that was a good step. And I, I love what you're doing. And I think it's a wonderful step um, forward for Irish dance because really, if you're not comfortable 
Irish dancing. If you don't feel like you can be yourself, you're not going to dance your best. And that's the whole point. You know, I, I can't imagine, I mean, I'm not comfortable competing just because I'm nervous. Like I can't imagine feeling like I, I can't be myself out there. So what would you say to other Irish dancers who are struggling with um, gender identity in Irish dance? It's a good question. I would give the advice of be true. It's sort of cheesy to be true to who you are. Advice. That's um, no, not cheesy. I mean, it's it's yeah. cliche, but, it's, it, but cliche, it's true. But it, it's, it's true. It's very true. There are schools who are doing good um, steps towards educating themselves and their dancers, and there are schools who are taking the steps to be safer places for LGBT plus dancers. So I would say if, to dancers who are very committed to dance and are committed to being authentic to themselves. There are spaces that are opening up. It's a Irish dance is a changing world and it is a forward progressing world. So I'd say just keep on fighting because there is space. There is space for us. I, I, I hope this kind of um, opens up people's minds to think, um, you know, think forward, but also think back because I think back to people I've danced with over the years who have since come out, um, what, you know, whether it's LGBTQ, whatever, but it, it always made me wonder like, wow, were they were they uncomfortable back then because they weren't being who they really were? Did they not want to wear a dress? Did they not want to wear pants? You know, it's, it's very eye-opening to think about what other people are going through. And it's, we all share the love of, of Irish dance. We all share the love of the same thing. So we have to be supportive of each other. And Cass, I love what you're doing. I think it's great. Um, this is a big step forward for Irish dance. Tell people where they can find out more about Divergent Dance and where they can uh, reach out to you if, if they wanna you know, get in contact about the gender affirming dance apparel giveaway, or if they just wanna you know, reach out and, and talk about their own issues with you because you've come to terms with them and you've dealt with them and now you are, you're making a difference. So tell everybody how they can get a hold of you. Yeah. So Divergent Dance is a Instagram-based platform. So the Instagram handle for that is Divergent underscore Irish underscore dance underscore. And then I also have a Divergent Dance focused email address, and that's DivergentIrishDance at gmail.com. I'll put all that up on our website at adultirishdancepodcast.com. Is there anything else you want to add, Cass? Because I do feel like we could talk about this all day long. <laughs> I could talk about gender and Irish dance forever and ever. It's one of my main focuses. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I think that my main like parting advice per se would be if you are an LGBT Irish dancer, just focus on deep down what you want as a person, what you value and staying true to your identity. And if you are a person in the Irish dance world in power, making sure to not passively accept students who may be marginalized, but actively taking the steps to have those tough conversations that might be uncomfortable, but are very much worth having and providing opportunity for dancers to choose pants instead of a dress when the norm would be to choose a dress. That's great advice. And, and you're right. You know, these conversations, um, they, they can be uncomfortable. Sometimes they're more uncomfortable than you want them to be, but the weight lifted off your shoulders after having that conversation that you've probably been laying in bed and thinking about every night for months is, 
is huge. And I'm glad that you're doing this. And I'm, I'm glad that Irish dance is taking steps forward and, you know, um, allowing uh, dancers who identify as female to wear pants. I mean, it's all about you and dancing and it, sh it shouldn't be about what you're wearing. Unfortunately, it kind of is, but um, I love this dance apparel giveaway and um, please, you know, reach out if, if you know, you're going to be doing this again in the future and we'll make sure to get you back on and, and tell everybody about it. Cause I think it's wonderful. Great. Thank you so much. Thanks for being on the podcast, Cass. You have a great day. You as well. You're listening to the Adult Irish Dancers Podcast. Welcome back to the Adult Irish Dancers Podcast. My name is Jen Clark, and another another huge thank you to Cass Urban for being on the show today. I think uh, they bring up some really important points that are absolutely fair to talk about in Irish dance. And, you know, it, just because it's not a problem that may affect you or me, it doesn't mean it doesn't affect others. And it was so interesting to talk about what it was like when Cass was younger dancing and at the time was wearing a solo dress to dance in when really what uh, he wanted to be wearing was pants. I mean, I can't imagine that struggle. You know, my my gender and my sexuality is never really something that I've had an issue with. So I feel for anybody who does struggle with that. And I've got all the info about Divergent Dance Up at adultirishdancepodcast.com because I think it's a great program. Again, a great topic for Pride Month. Um, I, I know I, I had some people say, oh, you're really going to talk about that. You know, that's kind of controversial. And I mean, I'll be honest with you. I don't care if, if this is the only episode that upset you, then, you know, so be it. But I'm, I say this to my parents all the time because my parents are very traditionally the baby boomer generation and they roll their eyes at a lot of the things that are happening nowadays, especially with pronouns and gender identity. And I say, you know, just because it doesn't affect you doesn't mean it's not important. That's a really, really important life lesson to walk away with that, you know, just because a problem isn't yours doesn't mean it's not a problem for others. So I think what Cass is doing with the Divergent Dance Project is wonderful. And again, all that info's up at adultirishdancepodcast.com. Wanted to thank you for tuning in this week. I hope everybody has a great weekend. Um, if you're here in the United States is stay safe and cool. It seems like everybody is very, very hot right now. I know our power blipped on and off here in Arizona. So um, if you're here in the United States, yes, have a great weekend and stay cool. And no matter where you are, I hope you have a wonderful weekend full of dance and relaxation. And I'll be back here to talk to you next week on the Adult Irish Dancers podcast. You can check us out online at adultirishdancepodcast.com. Talk to you later. My name is Caitlin. I'm 31 years old and I'm an adult Irish dancer. My name is Chris. I'm 45 years old and I'm an adult Irish dancer. I'm Erica. I'm 30 years old and I'm an adult Irish dancer. Hi, my name's Patty. I'm 56 years old and I'm an adult Irish dancer. My name is Marcel. I am 47 years old and I'm an adult Irish dancer. My name is Grace. I'm 28 years old and I'm an adult Irish step dancer. My name is Eva. I'm 38 years old and I'm an adult Irish dancer. I am Rachel. I'm 35 years old and I am an adult Irish dancer. Check us out online and connect with us at adultirishdancepodcast.com.